Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're going to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid forays, and say, well, actually, as much as possible. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. I went to the bookstore today. Yeah. Um, and I was looking for something else that they didn't have, but I was trying to see if they had any Animorphs books. And they did not. They did not. Wow. And I was very upset. But they had, like, Endling and the one and only Ivan and a couple other Applegate books. But no Animorphs. But they had, like, Hardy Boys and, you know, Babysitter's Club and all that shit, so. I'd be willing to go back into Babysitter's Club. I had a few of those. I'd be willing to read those. Yeah. And um, what I really appreciated about it was, um, so one of Matt's friends that we visited um, on a road trip has uh, diabetes. And she has to, like, do the whole, like, insulin thing. Mm-hmm. And that made me think of the Babysitter's Club because Stacy had diabetes in that book. And it's like, I don't think I would have really known about diabetes if it hadn't been for Stacy. So I appreciated that. Yeah, that's... I, I'm vaguely remembering this now, too, now that you've said it. <laughs> oh, man. And what I really remember from children's books is reading The Saddle Club, and I learned that you can't drink milk or eat ice cream before singing because you will either vomit or it coats your throat and makes you sound weird. Yeah, yeah. In uh, in theater, they would say don't drink any milk like a couple days before the the first performance or nice. you know before any performance. So or ever don't drink milk. Don't drink milk. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> throw it on the ground. We're just blocks. throw it. <laughs> <laughs> just pull a Marco and throw it on the ground. That's right. Oh my God! That reminds me. We totally got a fan email from uh, Daniel, and he was like, hey, I just heard the the podcast where you guys were talking about how Rachel's mom, it was in where she morphed the elephant and destroyed their house. Yeah. And he was like, where you guys got really mad because she already had milk, but then the mom went out for more milk. And he's like, I have this whole theory that, like, one of them needed skim milk, and they only had whole milk, so it was like a whole, like... <laughs> Like, he spun this intricate backstory Holy for shit. us. Sweet. <laughs> I love it when people get into the nitty gritty. <laughs> Me too. And I was like, I got that email and I just started laughing and laughing. And I haven't even responded yet, but I just kept laughing and laughing like, this is the best. <laughs> oh my god. I was, um, I was catching up on Andalite Vandalites the other day because I haven't mm -hmm. been on the computer for months. But Same. But yeah, oh, everyone's so great. Yeah. So, and I've been having a lot of fun in the in the emails too. We've been getting an uptick in emails. And I'm some of them have spoilers, so don't read them. Yeah, it's like that's that's why I'm still very afraid to yeah. like really engage with anyone in the fandom because I feel like people might spoil whether they mean to or not. So, 
Yeah, sometimes it's like you'll ask a question about like something early on and they're like, well, we do know that like this is the case in this instance. And you're like, oh shit, that's from 30 books in the future. No, mm-hmm. like, yeah, well, it's it's hard. And there was one post on Bandalites where someone was like, what do you imagine the Animorphs like 10 years from, from when the book stopped or something? And I was like, I probably shouldn't read that one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone spoiled anything, but I that just my immediate gut reaction is just like do not engage yeah no that was good because there i don't think there was a direct spoiler i think there actually was like an inferred spoiler but i think you already kind of know about it but there was one person that was like they were really really respectful of like the no spoilers and andalite bandalites thing and they were like well they would have to wrap up that final plot and i was like wait a minute that doesn't like (laughs) You can say it about any book. What does this mean? But, like, I knew exactly what they meant when I read it. But it was very funny, like, imagining reading it as somebody who didn't know the ending of Animorphs and being like, that could mean anything, though. Oh, no. Yeah, It was great. I kept seeing something about, like, the cliffhanger of the last book or something. And I was like, there's a cliffhanger? I don't even want to know that. I don't even want to know that there's a cliffhanger. (laughs) Well, okay. So let's spin the, the web here. There's the end of the book and then there's a letter from applegate that like adds to the fandom that has nothing to really like do with the actual plot it's just her being like here's my two cents at the very end and then you're like wait what yeah that's right there's there's a lot (laughs) a, a few years ago i did read a letter saying this is why the book ended the way it did and that's how i know what that spoiler is um but yeah, I, I don't even know why I read it. This was long before we even like got into this podcast. So you're just like, I'm just gonna read letters from the authors now about books. <laughs> Applegate herself read. spoiled the biggest part of the series. <laughs> <laughs> write a letter to her complaining. You spoiled animorphs for me. Like, yeah, I fucking wrote the books. Of course I did. <laughs> you spoiled these books that came out 20 years ago that I had every opportunity to read before now. But that didn't. you wrote. <laughs> that you wrote. Thanks. Thanks. How dare you? <laughs> um, All right. Let's talk about my boy. Let's talk about your good, good boy. Yay. Let's talk my about your bad little, good sometimes good racist, boy. sometimes sexist little boy. I, he really does his best. Like, he is the, in this book, the epitome of that saying that, like, the first thought that goes through your head is what society's programmed you to think. And the second thought that goes through your head is what you think. Oh, that seems wise. Yeah, I read it somewhere, probably on the internet. <laughs> but but since then, it's like there's been a few times where it's like, you know, you think something terrible at first and you're like, well, that wasn't very nice. And then you're like, well, at least I thought that that wasn't very nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, jeez. Okay, well, I'll start going through this book. Okay. Sue. So. X's book opens with the sickening sound of hitting human flesh. Nice. Yay. <laughs> uh, they are crawling on a pipe where they can hear reverberations of the interrogation going on below them in like a darkened, rusty, disgusting pipe in a building. We find out it's a newspaper building because the person being interrogated and beaten below them is Mr. King. Eric no. King's dad. No. Yeah. Well, that was kind of the point where you're like, oh, well, he's probably okay with being beaten. Like, he's he's an android <laughs> that's, like, 
Like, not like he's mentally okay with it, but, like, physically he is made of, like, indestructible metal, so he can handle it properly. How, how does that work if you're the person punching an android that's pretending to be a human? How do you... You can't really hologram the feel of human flesh, can you? I don't think so. Well, he does have a force field because they use that trick a lot of the time to, like, make it feel like... Like, when people touch the chi, they don't, like, think that they're touching, like, dog Uh bone. So Uh I'm assuming you could somewhat, but, like, then also they mention, like, just further down that they tried to, like, crawl into his ear canal, but it was blocked. So Okay, so he must have put up some sort of flesh field. Yeah, there's got to be some sort of flesh field. (laughs) Flesh field. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Um, there's there's definitely a flesh field that one <laughs> <God>. <laughs> it sounds like a sex thing anyway i was just thinking that okay Ugh. anyway well anyways he's being beaten and <laughs> it's bad uh and the whole reason that they're here is because it's at like this newspaper place called the Chronicle that they suspect is being controlled by Yerks and the reason they suspect this is because they published a five-part article on the sharing which is a lot. Like that's that's a that's a lot. <laughs> like for real. Uh. Um Yeah, but Mr. King was totally wrong about this just being a mission where he could sneak into the building and sneak back out. He had totally gotten taken, and now they're beating him for information, and the kids are like... You were literally, like, you make holograms. Like, you were, like, the epitome of stealth. How did you get caught? This, I don't know. I was wondering the same thing, like... I just project an entire other newspaper thing in here and just walk the halls, like, completely unaccosted. And, like, here, okay. I'll, let me just get through this, because there's, like, a couple other things that are really fucking weird. So, um, yeah, the reason the controllers are, are mad at him and beating him because they couldn't get into his ear because the ear canal was blocked, and the one ear was like, I tried it. You try it. You see what happens, which is... <laughs> Really funny to me, because these guys are just, like, two idiot goons. Um, And then they're, like, right in chapter one, like, hey, if we can't get any information out of him by beating him, we'll just kill him and incinerate the body so Visor 3 doesn't even know we accidentally killed a man. So it's like, okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So plan, guys. Yeah, good good plan. Good job. Idiots. So, uh, then Jake finds a gap in the pipe, he crawls out, they're in, like, the room next to the one where Eric King's, or, not, sorry, Mr. King's being beaten, and so they all start demorphing and going to battle morphs. Um, Axe demorphs, his stock eyes appear first, they get some, like, grade-A alien cataloging what they're doing here on the planet. Like, the tone really shifted here in the beginning of this book, where he was like, for any humans reading it, here's what you need to know. For any Andalites reading it, here's what you need to know. Like... It was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, once they're all demorphed, they're remorphed into battle morphs. They go busting through the wall. Rachel, of course, crashes into it, and Marco like tears it apart. Axe cuts down some drywall. It's all great. They go into the room where Mister King is being beaten. Right as they bring in three Draken beams, they're like, "Oh shit!" Now there's Draken beams. Bust in there. Dispatch the guards. Super easy. 
And this part where Mr. King just sits up, snaps through the handcuffs like they're nothing, all of his hologram blood and bruising just, like, leaves, and they're like, no, dude, you should probably keep up the pretense of being hurt. And he's like, oh, sorry. So he, like, slumps back down and starts groaning again, and all the blood reappears. And like, Oh, my God. Yeah. But this is about the point where the animals are like, well, that was a little too easy. And, like, then right behind them, this, like, glass wall just shatters and Horkbizer come flooding in alongside Visor 3. They just saw the whole thing that happened with Mr. King, where he snapped the handcuffs like nothing. Yeah. Maybe they just thought he was super swole. I don't know. <laughs> he just flexed real hard. <laughs> that It just, this whole thing, this whole scenario... With Mr. King, I was like, I get it's, like, you're wanting to bring him back later in the book, and you don't just want him to, like, come out of nowhere, but this oh. is dumb. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I I think I remember being confused about why it was a trap anyway. Yeah, because they didn't, like, how, how would they know that he was going to the Chronicle? Like, they said... Um, that they set it as a trap, like, publishing all the things, but, like, mm-hmm. how how did they set this up in particular? Yeah. Like, why was Visitor 3 there already? Why were all the Horkers there already? Why, why did they know that having, like, Mr. King would have the, the Animorphs come get them? Like... Yeah. It's, it's all weird. It's, and it's really disappointing because, like, this is so dumb but then like later in the book there's a lot of like really well thought out like really good plot points so i don't know why this one was like so weird yeah oh well i don't know unless visitor 3 was like i will live in this publishing plant until the animorphs come here (laughs) i will live and die here with all of you hork you don't need food none of you need food (laughs) She doesn't need food! (laughs) Here, have a raw egg and a cabbage. (laughs) Fuck off. Maybe he did. Maybe that is what happened. (laughs) Bastard. Yeah. Well, anyways, Mr. King slumps back over, blah, blah. The shadow of the glass wall. Horkbizer come flooding in. Visor 3 heads straight for Axe and starts tail fighting him. Which was another one where, like, he didn't monologue or, like, say anything. He just was like, now we fight. And then Visitor 3 is gaining the upper hand because of his size and being an adult. And Axe is just a little baby. And Axe made some comment about how fucking buff Visitor 3 is. Yeah. It was kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like commentary on like, I have weak arms in this book. Yeah. <laughs> My arms are so weak. Arms like noodles. Uh, yeah his poor little andalite arms don't hurt him don't hurt my boy they're only good for hugging (laughs) (laughs) delicately hugging which is weird because every drawing of an andalite that's considered like the official art it's like their arms are pretty buff looking at least they're not like sticks or anything that's, I swear, ever since you said it looks like Boris Vallejo work, I was like, well, this was in the era of, like, Boris uh-huh. Vallejo sci-fi covers, so yeah, I think that has probably got a lot to do with it. Sure. Yeah. All right. Anyways, 
Visor 3, an axe or tail fighting. Visor 3 is getting the upper hand because he's just so buff and intense. Mm -hmm. And the battle quickly turns against the Animorphs because uh, bloodshed. Like, Jake gets his leg shredded off and Rachel is, like, all fucked up. She got nicked by a few bullets and is bleeding. Marco took some gunfire as well. And then Marco grabs Mr. King and Rachel's like, follow me! And she, like, just goes barreling out of there the way that they came in with Marco following pretty close behind. And Axe starts to bail as well. But then suddenly, Horkvisher just come falling from the ceiling. Which is just, like, madness to imagine that. It's I'm just imagining, madness. like, it's how SWAT people come in. Where there's, like, helicopters and they just drop from those, like, <laughs> like ropes, I guess. Cables. I hope so. I like mm. that visual. I mean, it's cool, but also, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, for real, what the fuck? Like, where are they? How is this happening? What is this weird mansion building that you've made with all these trap doors? It's like the Winchester Mansion of Publishing Plants. <laughs> uh, so, the, anyways, they're coming from the ceiling. They're coming from everywhere. And so Jake's like, Rachel, wait, you stay here. Marco, you do get out of here with Mr. King. And everybody keeps fighting, but they're retreating. They're getting, like, pushed out into the hallway now. They start, like, backing down the hallway fighting. Then they decide, like, we just got to take off and, like, try to get the fuck out of here and get ahead of this rush of hork Axe lands this really lucky blow that trips up the, the hork in the front, knocks him down, knocks the guys right behind him down. So he's like, great, we have another split second. But then ahead of them, where Axe is like, God, I hope there's no hork coming from that direction. There's not. But there are taxons coming from that direction. Whee! So they're like, oh no, our only escape is this elevator in the middle of the hallway. So someone hits the button to the elevator, which, like, can you imagine waiting for that door to close with all the hork oh, running God. towards you? <laughs> like, it just feels like this is not a viable option. But no. Whatever. So then the elevator dings and Axe hears a familiar sound. It's kind of like the Draken beam fire, but it's not. It's shredder fire. And then four Andalites jump out of the elevator and into the fray. And Visor 3 is like, what the fuck? More Andalites. <laughs> and then uh, it's just chaos. The, Andamor- the Andalites start winning. They start turning the tides of this battle. One of the Andalites breaks loose and chases down Visor 3 and has him at point blank range. Like, could shoot him right in the fucking face right now. And then he's about to fire, but then Visor 3's like, hey, Arbat! And he's like, ah, and hesitates and, like, doesn't shoot him. And Visor 3, like, knocks the the, sh- the beam out of his hand and, like, it hits the floor. And Visor 3's like, haha, that trick always worked on you, you idiot! And then he fancy prances away. <laughs> fancy prances away. <laughs> He does. He's oh like, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, So the Andalites fall back after that, and Axe is like, wait, what the, where the, who are you? Where are you going? And one of them's like, I'm Estrid Kirill Durath, and I'm leaving, but we'll find you later. <laughs> I'm leaving. And I'm leaving now. And I'm also super hot. Yeah. I'm also beautiful. Goodbye. Um, and she knows his name, which is allegedly proving something later which i dispute but she does know his name (laughs) i don't know keep keep that in mind for my rant later gotcha (laughs) one hour a single hour after the battle (laughs) the team meets in the barn where axe is like 
Yay, there's Andalites here. Maybe the end really is nigh. Maybe we can do... There's even females fighting as trained warriors. Mm. When did that happen? Whoa. Wow. Women. Magic. (laughs) There's there's girls now. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, the beginning of my cringe fest. Yeah. Although for some reason the way that you just said it made me think of uh, Sweeney Todd when they're like, pretty women. Pretty women. <laughs> that Shooting doesn't shredders. happen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, God. So, anyways, Axe is pumped. He's like, this is the best day ever. The Andalites are here. And Marco's like, no, everything's fucked. Everything's terrible. Just because it walks and it talks like an Andalite, that doesn't mean it's an Andalite. And Axe is like, but she knew my name. We the had a connection. One. We had a real connection. God. <laughs> my girlfriend's the moon. <laughs> <laughs> That's rough, buddy. <laughs> oh. oh, man. Anyways, yeah, Axe is like, she knew my name, and the only way she could have known my name is that the transmission from Lyra, she must have known it from then. And I'm like, no, dude, fucking everybody knows your name, because every time you introduce yourself, they're like, it's Elfengor's little brother. Like, everybody, everybody knows you. Even enemies sometimes, you'll be like, I'm Maximilian Garothis, and they'll be like, Elfengor's little brother. Like, Elfengor's little brother. Alfego's little brother! We all know you're his little brother! Aww. So, yeah. I got upset. I was like, she would know you. And even later in this book, they're like, we got your DNA from the Academy. They got your DN fucking A, man. <laughs> so, anyways. Ugh, this boy. I was, I was like, Axe, you are, <laughs> as Cassie says, like three lines from now, you are blinded by love, Axamilly. Blinded. Son, do we need to have the talk? Ew. <laughs> what if what if Cassie made him morph her and have her parents give him the talk like they threatened to do to her when they found out she was hanging out with Jake? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> you know what, Axe? I know how to punish you for this transgression. Oh no. You have to be me. Or just make him morph Jake. I believe her parents said they wanted to have a sit-down conversation with the priest and Jake's parents and Jake. So yes, yes. Restart all of that. Axe uses his Jake morph. They go over for hot chili, and then they have the talk. Oh, my God. It sounds like the worst thing I've ever heard of. It sounds like an adorable story. Mm. Anyways, mm. <laughs> um, that's not where this goes. This goes bad, because once... Once Axe is like, hey, remember that transmission on Lyra? Rachel's like, yeah, hey, buddy, maybe don't switch your allegiances this time. Right, buddy? And Axe is like, I'm loyal to Jake, you bitch. (laughs) (laughs) He said it exactly like that. That's exactly what they said in this book. Exactly. (laughs) There is so many lines that, like, just led so... Like, there, there was not swear words in this book. But they were just built in such a way that the sentence, like, almost flowed better with, like, the word shit in it or, like, fuck. <laughs> like, it was, this is just a really been better with book. swear words. Yeah, I added them, if that helps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, oh man. Jesus. Anyways, yeah. Rachel's like, don't switch allegiances, and Axe is pissed. He's like, I wouldn't. And then he's like, Jake, do you doubt my loyalty? And Jake's like, no, I don't doubt your loyalty. And Rachel, cool it. Um, and then he's like, we need to just chill on these Andalites. Like, they are not superheroes. We we know that. There's something wrong here. And then um, this is when Cassie's like, also, you're in love, so you don't know for sure what it's what's the truth. And then Jake's like, yeah, everybody chill, whatever. We're not going to do anything right now. So Axe goes charging out of the barn and runs until all of his anger dissipates and he's only left with the hot boiling crush he has on Estrid. Gross. Yeah. <sighs> There's a lot of crush talk in this book. Yeah. This is a... Yeah. Yeah. This is a book <laughs> where that happens. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh. So, later that day, Axe and Tobias are hanging out, and Axe is, like, doing his, like, Mulan, let's get down to business montage of practicing <laughs> all of his fighting moves. And um, he's chopping down tree branches, and Tobias is, like, cheering him on. He's like, sweet chop, Axe, you did great. And Aww. then Tobias is like, let's go get a cinnamon bun. He's Aww. like, I found $20, let's do it. Aww. <laughs> yeah, he, like... He's super broy. Like, let's let's go. And he's like, I'm gonna get some tacos with this twenty dollars, but you will get you a cinnabon. Oh, and so cute. they're so fucking adorable. Oh, I love this. I love their friendship. I love their friendship too. This is probably one of my favorite like friend moments in this mm-hmm. series. I'd say. Oh. Oh, so Tobias tempts Axe away from this training that he's doing. They fly over to the mall where Tobias is like, I even stashed our clothes already. This is going to be the best day ever. Aww. So they land and they morph to human. They put on their clothes. They go head down to the food court. And right as they're about to go in there and buy their tacos and cinnamon buns, they hear a female voice screaming, Beanza! Oh, and they're like, someone's going nuts in the food court. And Tobias is like, ah, yes, the Andalites have landed. (laughs) (laughs) The Andalites are here. The Andalites are here. I can sense it in the wind. So they they rush over and they find Estrid in Candyland candy store. And she's like balls deep in the jelly beans, just screaming (laughs) like. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. <laughs> That's what I picture. She's in the bin grabbing all these colors like green's the best. No, red is the best. Oh and my like God. The best part of this is there's some child that's, like, outside of the candy store, and when she's like, orange is the best, no blues, the kid's like, orange is my favorite flavor, too! I love that kid. (laughs) Oh, God. I love that kid so much. He's... (laughs) He, that's that would be me in this scenario. I am <laughs> that like child. Completely oblivious to the cast, just be like, I like orange. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite flavor. <laughs> oh Jesus! Oh, love it. Um, and well, Astrid is like shoving beansa into her mouth. The the Candyland lady is like, please stop. This, these are all inedible now. I can't sell any of these because oh, no. your mouth is in them. And uh, Axe and Tobias make it over there right as the security guard's arriving. The security guard's like, this is, like, we have to stop this rabid child. And Tobias grabs Estrid and is like, no, this is my little sister. She was having a bad reaction to her medication. (laughs) (laughs) 
This is my sister. She's a little crazy. She thinks the monkey is the sultan. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I can fucking picture in this moment. (laughs) Oh my god, that's amazing. (laughs) I was just horrified by this next line. All I could think about is how awful it was that Tobias is like, she needs her seizure medication. She was dropped on her head as a baby. <laughs> like, Dear God. I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if being dropped on her head as a baby gives you seizures, but I do know that that's not... You don't give them that much information, Tobias. <laughs> oh, well, you know. I've had my share of people unnecessarily giving me all their medical maladies when I don't want that's them. That's true. That's true. I do it to you all the time. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, so that's Tobias's excuse. She's having a bad reaction to the medication. Also, she has seizures. Also, she was dropped on her head as a child. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Candylands lady is like, immediately flips the switch. She's like, oh my God, we should call an ambulance. Is she going to be okay? And <laughs> Tobias is like, she's, she's going to be fine. I know what to do. This has happened before. I just have to get her home and get her some medication. So they start like dragging her out of the store. And at like Axe leans down at some point and is like, Estrid, it's me, Axe Like, we're just going to get you out of here. As they're dragging her away, this guy starts yelling, hey, that's my sister. And like starts chasing them. And they're all like, run, <laughs> this guy's coming after us. But my favorite part of this line is that somebody says, I think it's Axe that thinks, oh yeah, that this guy thought his sister was getting abducted. And I was like, she is getting abducted by <laughs> aliens. <laughs> so here's uh, my question. Yeah. How the fuck did Estrid acquire this kid? Like, she must have, like, she was right across the way at the mall. I think I skipped over that. Like... This girl is, like, shopping at a store across from the candy store. So, yeah. I guess she just, like, I don't know. Was she, like, was Estrid, like, hiding somewhere and she just, like, reached her hand out and grabbed the girl when her back was turned? That's literally the only thing I can think of. I guess so. How did you, how did you get into the mall as an and Whatever. Yeah, because, like, the only other option is she got her outside, and then they went into the mall, and it was just, like, a coincidence that they ended up in the same place. I don't know. I just, I, uh, it's kind of hard to sneakily acquire somebody when you're a fucking Andalite, but whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't know. Estrid did not think this through, though. She didn't, but also she is very brazen about just walking around as a full alien, like, She's not worried about hiding at all. So, I don't know. So anyways, um, they end up flying out to meet up with the other Andalites. Jake is flying below Axe. Jake is in wolf morph, just running along like a little dog. Little puppy. Little puppy. He's just a little dog. He didn't do nothing wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And Jake's bitching. He's like, how much further is it? He wasn't bitching. He was just asking. I'm sorry, Jake. You did fine. <laughs> um, he was like, so how aggressive. much further is it? I know. I just I just got really... I just tried to flex on Jake. There was no need for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeez. I'm sorry, Jake. Uh, so Axe is like, it's like a mile up ahead. And then he sees Estrid. So he like flies up there, lands next to her, starts demorphing. And then a second... Or two after Axe is demorphed to Andalite, Jake runs up and Estrid's like, huh, what, what, 
I said, come alone. And Jake's like, yeah, and I told him not to. <laughs> and then once I get through this whole thing of like, yeah, he's my prince. You follow a human? Yes, a human's a prince. Ha ha ha. <laughs> funny, funny. <blah>. Then she <laughs> gets over it. And she's like, yeah, okay, I'll take you over to like all the superior dudes. No problem. But before we go, can you not tell anybody about my human incident? Because I, that was not a condoned mission. And Axe is like, uh, uh, what do you mean? What do you mean you just go out here and, like, do missions on your own without asking her, what the fuck? <laughs> so, but he agrees not to tell. He's like, I don't know, maybe she's just not suited for this lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> um, they walk over to the superiors where Estridge, who is effectively, like, an artist, like, she is, like, a cadet, like, she, she has no clearance to be talking about these people or acting like she is in control of this at all so like this is what's shocking to everybody there but she just like brazenly walks up to them like yeah this is so and so this is so and so this is commander so and so (laughs) and axe is like dude you can't you can't just come up here and tell me their names this is ridiculous (laughs) and the only person like in this little meeting that's like really upset about this is commander gonrod who is like why will no one adhere to my leadership? What is happening? <laughs> Do you think that Gonrod is a is a shit an anagram? A mixed up letters a of anagram Gondor. Of Gondor? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I definitely do. Okay, good. <laughs> and I like his name. Like his okay. I they made a terrible mistake here. So our cast of characters is Estrid, Commander Gonrod. Arbat, and then this other guy called Aloth. I find it Aloth, and I'm like, why would you do Arbat and and Aloth? Right, like just differentiate the first letter because I had so much trouble. Like when I was taking notes, like Arbat said, no, Aloth said that. No, what the hell? Who said what? Oh, I was I really, really mad that Estrid was named Estrid because we've already had like so many E things, like Eslin and. And Epsilon and so so many fucking E characters. I'm like, stop it. Yeah. Ugh, whatever. And it's so, so close to Astrid. Yeah. It's so close. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was upsetting. Everything about the naming of the Andalites in this book was upsetting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, other than Gonrod. I did really like Gonrod, but <laughs> yeah, everybody else was really confusing to me. And also, um, they explain, like, the ranks coming up here and, like, literally in the next chapter. So I'm not skipping that far ahead when I'm telling you guys this. But Aloth is the simple warrior. Arbat is a high-level assassin. Gonrod's this amazing pilot. But also, Arbat is trained as an assassin, but Aloth is, like, the best shot of everybody. Like, yeah. so I'm like, wait. Who's the assassin? Because the assassin doesn't go for the assassination in this book because he's not as good of a shot. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. It doesn't... Made no sense. It was extremely confusing, but it also made me kind of question if everyone was lying and maybe they, like, pulled a Queen Amidala and kind of switched up their their roles. Yeah. And, like, lied about who was actually the assassin and who was actually the pilot and stuff. Um but yeah, that was that was my train of thought for a while. I thought it was gonna be revealed at the end that like, oh, Estrid was really in charge or whatever. 
Yeah. And, like, they they even joke about that, too. Like, they were really leaning into that. Like, yeah. oh, some days I think it is Astrid that's in charge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think you kind of figure out who's in charge somewhat quickly. Mm-hmm. But the whole assassin thing just was so confusing. Yeah. I don't know. But, um, yeah. Anyways, going back to the conversation they were having, uh, Jake goes up there to talk to these dudes that Esther just inter- or introduced to everybody, and Gonrad's the only one that's upset. Um, of course, they, again, are all surprised by Jake, and, it like, they mock him more openly. Like, Estrid was surprised and like, oh, are you serious? You, you, he's your prince? Like, okay, that's weird. These guys are like openly mocking Jake. Like, you insult all of us by saying that this weird alien child is your prince? Like, no, dude, give it up. Like, and Jake just kind of like, he does his excellent Jake leadership thing mm-hmm. where he just kind of ignores everything that's, like, not helpful. Yeah, he just, like, gets down to business. I loved it. He does. Like, my favorite part is they're all kind of mocking him and, like, saying, like, he can't be a prince, blah, blah, blah. And, like, Commander Gonrod tries to, like, flex on him. And he's like, you insult the highest ranking commander for, like, light years around here. And Jake, instead of being like, oh, no, or, like, getting affronted or anything, he just turns to Axe and he goes, well... So there's not a real fleet here. If this this guy, this guy who's a commander is like the highest ranking dude for light years. So these guys didn't bring anything. They're just one idiot with a ship. Like they didn't bring the fleet at all. And these guys are like, oh my God, this child's ignoring us to talk to Axe about how insufficient we are. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, such a, oh, I love Drake. I, I loved him in this meeting. Like he was so like cool and just really like logical and very like he could not be intimidated by these guys who are just by definition as andalites like much taller and larger and intimidating and he was just like yeah fuck off like you guys don't know anything (laughs) oh man it was very good yeah and then jake is just like this meeting is over goodbye like you guys don't know shit so they go to walk away, and then Commander Gonrod is like, Axe, I order you to stay. And Axe is like, no, for real, Jake is my prince. I follow him. And then Gonrod's like, okay, fire on Axe. But the order is not followed, because a few vipers have wound their way around Arbat and Gonrod's front legs. Nice. Also, there was a pit viper that Cassie found in the playground in the beginning of this book. I, yeah, I know. Okay. (laughs) I made up a whole thing in my head about how David brought it to school before the accidental rat mission as some sort of intimidation ploy, and it got loose, and it's just been living sadly alone, and Cassie found it and rescued it. Aw, that's cute. Yeah, because, you know, I still want his, his defanged viper i i don't know if he had a cobra or viper i can't remember but i would Uh, like to imagine that's what happened okay fine well cassie misidentified the snake it's actually a cobra (laughs) oh right yeah spawn right yeah spawn yeah because that's what marco is morphed currently yes okay yeah marco has spawn cassie just got like a random snake she found in the playground i thought they killed spawn because they thought he was Marco, and they were like, that's the Andalite Bandalite, take him away, and they just, like, took him away and presumably killed him. They did put him in a bag and take him away. Oh, uh, maybe. maybe. 
Spawn is on a mission from God to get out of the Yerk pool. <laughs> <laughs> the Spawn story. <laughs> Somebody write this fan fiction. <laughs> All about Spawn's great adventures oh, to get out of the Yerk pool. That's adorable. Oh. And he's survived by eating cockroaches in the basement of the Yerk pool. Mm-hmm. Aw, Spawn. Spawn. Way to go, Spawn. And at some oh at some point he joins forces with Fluffer McKitty. <laughs> yes, and it was when he had to go up the stairs. Like Fluffer McKitty broke downstairs into the York pool, and then Fluffer McKitty was like, "Oh, screw this! This isn't like a basement with fun toys and stuff. This is a stupid <laughs> York pool." And Spawn has been climbing those stairs for months, and finally Fluffer McKitty gave him the assist. Oh my god. This oh. is the Homeward Bound story of Spawn and Fluffer McKinney. <laughs> so adorable. I love it. <laughs> uh, anyway. Anyways. <laughs> so there's Pit, Vi- well, Vipers, Cobra, whatever, around Arbat and, and Gonrod's front legs. Axe snaps his tail blade to Astrid's throat because she pulled a shredder on them. And Commander Gonrod starts pulling this, like, rank bullshit, like, am I not in charge here? And Jake's like, no, my dude, you're on Earth. And this isn't a hork situation. On Earth, there is a fighting force that is fighting actively against the Yerks, and also we're extremely intelligent. So on Earth, this is my show, and you can just deal with it. Nice. And Gonrod was like, I, I wrote that he continued to be a weenie, because <laughs> he did. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Cry but this is... He is a crybaby. He's like, I wanted to be in charge. I'm, I'm the commander. You said I was a commander. Wham. Wham. Anyway. Call the wambulance. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is when uh, Arbat steps forward and he's like, okay, okay. Clearly we will speak as equals now. And then he's like, this mission was an assassination mission and... This guy, he, he, like, basically, again, defines everything. Like, Aloth is a simple warrior. Commander Gonrod is leader of this mission. But I am a high-level secret ninja assassin from the <laughs> Guild of the High Andalites. Oh, and my God. And everybody loves me. It was, like, the cringiest speech ever. Uh, so... I was, like, so mad at this. So, how... Isn't the very concept of an assassin kind of dishonorable and kind of going against Andalite morals. Yes. Yeah. And Axe even said he had no idea that there was even assassins in the in the Andalite military. Yeah. And I think we've heard of them before or like we've heard like some people think there might be assassins but that's not like right with the Andalite code blah blah blah. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's bullshit. This is all bullshit. These guys suck. These guys fucking suck. But we don't know that yet. For now, all we know is he's like the coolest security guy that basically runs the council. (laughs) Stupid idiot. (laughs) Like, oh, I just got so mad at this speech. I was like, yeah, you just sound like a shitty kid that's like, yeah, I'm a black belt. I defeated all the samurais. And you're like, that doesn't even make any sense. Those aren't the same. Um, yeah, Gonrad's a weenie. Arbat's a, a super cool assassin with all the belts or whatever. A.K.A. a tool. A.K.A. a tool. A.K.A. puddle of mud. I actually... 
sorry. <laughs> so sorry. Oopa <laughs> What were you going to say before? Um, I was going to say nonsense. that um, I actually kind of liked Aloth for a while. Because he just seemed like too. this fucking like, super chill dude who was just kind of like making fun of Gonrad. Just kind of being like like smoking a cigarette in the background. Like kind of the yeah, like, like... Re- renegade sort of dude that's only out for himself. And I was like, I can respect that. I totally thought that when he and Axe were like having their private conversation on the ship, like, in a couple chapters. Yeah. I was like, this dude's super cool. He's kind of, like, letting on to Axe, like, what's going on. But he he's not, like, coming outright and saying it, but I kind of get that because he is, like, the three out of four on the totem pole here. Yeah. Like, yeah, he was just, like, this cool, like, yeah, I've seen battle before, like, what of it kind of... Dude, I liked him. Yeah. And then I did it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's all bullshit. Yeah. Um, and then they, like, bully Estrid, too, because then they're like, wait, so why is Estrid here? Like, you guys all, I get, like, your ranks. What's her rank? And um, they're just like, oh, well, she was a mistake. <laughs> and, like, that's it. <laughs> like, she's a mistake. She's a mistake. She shouldn't be here. We tried to drop her off, but it didn't work. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, but whatever. And then she does this really badass thing that made me want to like her, where she takes down Axe with three sweet moves. She does, like, a cool karate chop, like, knees, butt, back, <laughs> and, like, drops him to the ground with his tail blade pinned underneath him. Aw. Yeah. And then Axe was like, cool moves, bro. And then definitely blocked her tailblade because he knew, he knew that this was just the start of a fight and not the end of it. And then, like, they get, they start, like, getting into a tail fight and immediately Arbat's, like, betting with Aloth, like, hey, ma'am, I bet that Astrid's, or Estrid's gonna win. And Aloth is like, no, I'm taking Axe in this fight. He's for sure gonna win. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was just like. It's very weird. I was just like, this is such a trope, like. Like, the two love interests fight, and then by the end of it, they, like, want to make out with each other. I'm like, ugh, okay. Well, the good news is they didn't, at the end of this fight, want to make out with each other. That is good. That didn't happen. But what did happen was Axe kicked the shit out of her and hurt her. (laughs) Like, they have this really cool battle thing that wasn't described super well so it's kind of like hard to follow but there's like a lot of ducking and rolling and like tail blade fighting and blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. the part they did explain well is this final move where astrid is trying to go into a buck which is when for those that don't know it's when horses or four-legged animals go down on their front legs and kick out their back legs so astrid's trying to buck and then spin to do like a cool tail blade contact move so axe is like I use what they taught us on day one of training. So Axe just does the same sort of pivot move, but the opposite direction. So Astrid basically just spins her own butt out and, like, knocks herself over and, like, goes tumbling, lands on her back, hits her head, and is like, ah, that hurt. It's very, like, 
martial arts style, kind of, like, using your opponent's force against them and, like, exerting very minimal force yourself. Like, ugh. Yeah. It was so good. It was so good. It was very, very good. And then, uh... (laughs) I was really expecting him to be like, oh, you're pretty good for a female. Yeah, he did not do that at all. (laughs) Thank fucking God I was gonna... Thank fucking God. Yeah. The only part where he kind of does, well, we'll get to it. That's pretty far down in the book, sure. so we'll, I'll wait. Um, but yeah, he does not do that. He was just like, that was well fought. But like all of the other Andalites are like, hey, Axe is pretty cool. And um, I guess because they all think that Axe is pretty cool now, Arbat's like, by the way, we have something in common. You know how Visor 3 killed your brother? Well, he did something worse to my brother my brother's a Lauren, host body to Visor 3. And then they're like, what? Then he's like, and my team of Andalites is here to assassinate him. A Lauren's <laughs> little brother. Yeah. It is his little brother. Which made it... Okay. So the theory... Th- oh, no, I'll save it. Just remember this part. Okay. We'll come back okay. to it. So, a little while later, the kids all meet in the barn. Everybody is super bummed. Like, really, really bummed. Mm-hmm. X is like, look at these stupid grackles pecking around on the ground. And then one's acting weird because he's not pecking around on the ground. And he's like, Cassie, does that bird look sick to you? And Cassie, like, crouches down to look at it. And the grackle flies up to the rafters. And Cassie's like, I don't know. It's probably fine. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a spy, oh. you nitwits. I know. They knew. They just, we don't know that they knew yet. Ugh. <laughs> it was very frustrating. This was all very frustrating. Oh my god, this... I got so mad at this part. <laughs> yeah. It like this is a book where you spend three quarters of it going, These these guys are so out of character. And then you get yes. to the end of the book and you're like, Oh god damn it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So they're very out of character right now. First of all, starting with Cassie, who just did that maneuver, like, I don't know, it's probably fine. <clears throat> and then Cassie starts going Please don't support the assassination of Visor 3. It's murder. And murder's bad. Lauren's still alive. Where there's life, there's hope. And then Marco's like, fuck that noise. Listen, you need to quit this with your moralizing and all that shit because we are fucked. We are totally fucked. The Andalites don't send out assassins because they think that they're coming to Earth to, like, save us and save the entire planet and everything. They send out assassins to make the Andalites feel good because they get rid of the abomination. They have no intention of helping us. We are just six idiot kids that are going to have to be fighting forever because the Andalites aren't coming. And uh, he gets, like, really fucking upset by this. And then Rachel steps in, and she's like, okay, Marco, so what's our plan then, if, if the case is that we're just going to annoy them? And Marco, like, weirdly slaps her cheeks and is like, you don't get it. There is no plan. It's over. And Rachel just launches at Marco and starts, like, grappling with him on the ground. And at this point, Tobias is like, that's it. This is too much drama. I'm done. I'm out of here. I quit. And flies away. Aww. Yeah. Tobias is like, I see Rachel fighting Marco, and I'm out. (laughs) I'm so embarrassed I'm leaving. I'm so embarrassed of her behavior. I'm out. (laughs) So Jake breaks up this fight. He's like, okay, what can we do? And then specifically turns to Axe, who's like, he's like, what what can we do? And Axe just kind of like shakes his head like, I don't know. And Marco's like, 
okay, this mission is of no consequence to the Andalites. Like, this, what are we going to do now? And Rachel's like, you know what? I know what I'm going to do. I'm tired of all of you. I'm tired of taking orders. I'm leaving. And she punches a fucking glass lantern and shatters it on the ground and, like, kicks a bucket at some geese. she fucking, like, lays waste to the barn. She does. She just gets really, like... She just was like, I'm committing to this anger bit that I am doing. Yeah. And she, she, like, as she leaves a trail of destruction in her wake, she's like, I'm done with this Geneva Convention shit. I'm going to go take out as many Yerks as I can before I die. And, like, I know that this is supposed to be like, oh, no, everybody's quitting. I'm so sad. But when Rachel did that, I was like, fuck, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I got really pumped. I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'd do that, too. (laughs) So I got excited um, by that because I'm a horrible monster. (laughs) Uh, Cassie just grabs a broom quietly. She starts sweeping up the glass that Rachel left behind. And she's like, I'm out, too. I just can't handle this unwinnable war and all the fighting anymore. And I just can't keep killing the hork And then she runs out crying. And Marco's like, well, Jake, it's been fun, my dude but I'm going to go enjoy what little time I have left. I'm going to go acquire some surfer chick magnet and just hang out at the beach for the rest of my Gross. life. <laughs> uh, so he leaves. And finally, it's just Jake and Axe left. And Axe is like, I'm still loyal to you. I'm by your side. And Jake just kind of sighs deeply. And he's like, I can't hold you to it anymore. I have to let you go. It would probably be better for you anyways if you could just go back to your own people and go back home. And then Axe watches as Jake walks out of the barn into the fading sunset. I assume it the golden hour of light shining on Jake's retreating figure is how I imagined it. Pretty. Yeah. (laughs) And then Axe just sits in the barn enjoying the peace and quiet for a little bit before he says... You know, Astrid, if you're going to use Earth animals, you really need to learn how to do it properly. Chasing four humans across a meadow is not a very rabbit thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) I liked that. I liked that he told her off. I thought she was the grackle. Yeah. Yeah. But she wasn't. She was a bunny that Rachel almost hit with a bucket, which (laughs) would have been an amazing ending in a way. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like they're doing this, like, this whole, like, everybody's quitting dramatically, but Rachel ends up killing a rabbit, and therefore the Andalite's entire plan crumbles beneath them because they lost her. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. Her. I took it too far. <laughs> oh, no, my acting. Uh, capital A, acting. Mm. Anyways. It's like that time that Viggo Mortensen kicked the, the orc helmet and then oh, actually and broke, broke his, his toe. toe. That's my favorite, yes! favorite piece of thing from Lord of the Rings. Oh, my God. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's up there. But there's so many good things. Oh, my God. Oh, Vigo, my man. Okay. <laughs> so one of my favorite Vigo moments from Lord of the Rings was when he's doing the speech at the Black Gate. And he did not have that half rear turn in it originally towards the end of his speech. He was just getting so amped up that when he did that... The horse that he was on got like really excited and reared up and did that half turn and he just went with it and kept doing his speech. Oh. And that's one of my favorite Vigo moments. That's cool. It's so cool. I, I love that. Vigo. I love Vigo so much. 
Anyways, okay, back to Animorphs. Sorry. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. There's so much stuff happening. Uh, so, Esther agrees to take Axe to the ship. Uh, she acquires a crow. They go heading out towards the gardens where the ship is hidden. Of course, why wouldn't it be at the gardens? Whatever. Um, they approach, a square opens on the top of the ship, they fly into it, and Astrid is like, here's the upper deck, I will take you to the command deck. And Axe is like, hey, can you do me a favor? Since I still respect Jake and all of my teammates, could you not disclose to anybody that that he couldn't maintain control of his team? And Astrid's like, well, since you kept my secret, sure! And Axe is like, I don't know if she's going to double-cross me and is really smart, or she's, like, inexperienced and unfit to serve due to her gender. <laughs> My god! It was, like, so awkward. Fucking... It's it's interesting, because he, like... He only has made this comment about Andalites. Like, he's never made a comment about Cassie or Rachel. No, even earlier in this book, he talked about, like, how Rachel was, like, always about the action and one of, like, the bravest ones in battle. Like, he would... Yeah! And, yeah, like, even when he was getting on, on um, Aldrea's case, it was more about, like, her choice of species and not her gender. Like... Yeah. I don't know. Why? Why? Is it because he, like, has a crush on her? Is there, like, an element it... of that? I don't know. I wondered if it was that and also just seeing... Because, like, when he left the Andalite homeworld, there were there were no females in the military. Right, they so were all, just like, it, in the sciences and the arts, right? Yeah. So, like, just the fact that they're starting to integrate females into the military, like, maybe it's, like, he just doesn't know what to think of it all yet, and it's just coming out weirdly sexist for no apparent reason. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't want to excuse it because it's, right. like, not cool, but, you know, I don't know. It, it's hard because it's, like, we don't, I'm I'm sure it's something that even happens nowadays in the human military, you know? Yeah. It didn't make me feel good. Yeah, it didn't make me feel good at all. But also then I wanted her to do good and I wanted her to prove everybody wrong. Mm-hmm. But then she kind of got shitty, and I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't... I'll always have Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So whatever. Um, Estrid leads him to the command deck, where Axe is greeted warmly by Arbat, and Axe, like, bows to commander gonrod and says like i am released from duty with my prince and i will now swear fealty to you and gonrod is like finally like for the first time like yeah he's showing me the proper respect i like this guy wow (laughs) and um arbat watches this whole display and he's like just so you know we're really informal around here and commander gonrod's like but the chain of command is still clear god (laughs) Shut up, Gondor. <laughs> yeah, he's like, but still, you have to listen to me. I'm still the commander. And Arbat's like, yeah, yeah, okay, you're the commander. <laughs> and Axe is like, I can tell Arbat wants something from me, but I don't know what that something is. Oh. So here's the part that we were talking about a little earlier, where Aloth was sent to show Axe around, and Axe gleaned some, like, weird knowledge from this guy. Because, like you said, he was, like, you know, leaning back, like, smoking in the corridor. Kind of like, yeah, I've been here he, for he's like, 60 years. He's like the bad boy with the leather jacket. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, the man is shit. 
Conrad's a fool. Arbat's an assassin, but he hasn't fought in six wars, and now he's a teacher. Not at the academy. He's at some other, like, off-world school with all the Andalites who are the dreamers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's apparently some school, like, it was like ASU or some, some, MASU or something like that. But um, it's where basically the Andalites who are known for their impracticality go to learn. They're, like, more philosophical than the, like, militaristic cadet guys who all go to the academy. So Axe is like, so what's up with chicks in the military now? God. And Aloth laughs, and he's like, yeah, we've been trying to just ditch Estrid for, like, four stations now, but Arbat's, like, really sold the war council on females, and so we he pushed us to keep her on the team. But she has no real duties. She's not really contributing anything to this mission that we can tell. And then um, Aloth gives him a look, and he's like, I don't know, maybe they're trying to fast-track her like she's someone's niece or something. And then, like, kind of goes, anyway, stop asking questions and just listen to what I have to say. Maybe you'll learn something. And, like, turns in this really, like, listen to me, kid, and you might come out of this thing alive <laughs> kind of military yeah. guy. Uh, yeah. So Axe is like, well, this is familiar. Like, I feel comfortable now around Aloth because I, I get that kind of, like, ribbing sort of relationship. So, yeah. Um, basically just shows on the ship, blah, 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 and then says, but you must never go to the West Wing. It's forbidden. <laughs> So, basically, this is what he does. Uh, yep, <laughs> it's like, it's true. <laughs> the second level is no longer in use, and it's sealed off. It's forbidden. Um, so then we cut back to Axe on the bridge being interrogated by the three older Andalites. They're like, so what are Visor 3's habits? Where does he go? Where can we find him? Uh, so we gotta, we, we want to get this mission done. And... Commander Gonrod is extraordinarily uneasy throughout this whole thing. Like, he keeps looking around at the monitors. He's kind of freaking out. And Axe is like, well, we don't really know where he is all the time, but he's probably going to attend the sharing meeting tomorrow, the following day, whatever. Um, And the Yurk pool complex, yeah, we know where some entrances are. So, yeah, I can kind of tell you where those are. They bring up going into the Yurk pool, and Gonrad's like, nope, nope, we will not be going down there. We are not doing that. Absolutely not. It's settled. We're not doing it. Uh, and they're like, okay, fine, we won't go down there, we're just gonna assassinate him at the meeting, blah, blah, blah. And then Aloth suggests, like, hey, why don't we expand the target? Like, why are we only taking out Visor 3 when we could take out more Yerks? Like, more people in the meeting, or, like, high-level Yerks? Why, why don't we do that? And they're like, no, we will only kill the one target. And it's like, okay, this is a fucking dumb mission, but whatever. <laughs> um, then Estrid just kind of, like, flings open the door to the bridge and is like, I'm going on a tour of the gardens and I want Axe to come with me to teach me about the earth aminals. And Axe is like, what psycho land have I come in where the cadets can just tell all the high-ranking officers on the ship that they want to go on a fancy prance in the zoo? What the (laughs) fuck? (sighs) So Axe is like, I I don't even know who she is. This is ridiculous. There's no way she's just a cadet. This is so dumb. Yeah. Which is fair. <laughs> so Axe and Astrid are walking along the gardens at night. And uh, they're just clip-clopping down the, like, aisleways, blah, blah, blah. Axe is relatively sure they're not going to be disturbed by the guards. So he feels pretty confident just walking around, chatting about all the earth creatures. Estrid starts telling Axe about how the computers were almost overwhelmed by the amount of species present on the planet when they scanned it. And then Axe is like, yeah, so anyways, tell me about the rest of the crew. 
So we find out that Gonrod is like the greatest pilot of all time. Aloth scored the highest for shooting accurately and is the best sniper ever. And then Axe puts it all together. He's like, oh no, Estrid is Arbat's niece and that's why no one will say anything to her. But this train of thought is derailed because Estrid's like, hey, since we're still on Earth, can we get more of those like delicious pellets? And Axe is like, oh boy, do I know where to get more delicious pellets. And uh, so they go clopping over to the visitor center where he kicks the vending machine, which was really weird. <laughs> <laughs> he like steals some candy and he's like, I'm glad nobody saw that because humans are weird about ownership. Whatever. Uh, that was like, it's stealing. Stop, mm. Don't steal. Which is weird because it's like the first time the animorphs have like stolen like this. But whatever. Um, and then Axe is like, okay, like, let's morph to human to eat all this candy I just stole. And she, like, morphs herself into, like, a furry blue and tan ball on the ground. And then, like, uncurls herself as a human that's, like, fully clothed in, like, legit clothing. Not, like, a morph suit. And Axe is like, you're in a stream. And she's like, well, yeah, my mom's a morph dancer, so she really taught me a lot. And then, like, nothing else was said about that. Okay. That was pointless. Yeah. It was super pointless. Completely pointless. Yeah, it never uh, comes up again. Never comes up again. Neither does this next part, which was also completely pointless, where they eat the candies, and they are delighted, and Axe is like, that's not the only thing you can do with your mouth. Oh! And they're like, let's experiment. And those are actually the words they use. And then they experiment with kissing, and Gross. Axe is like... I had butterflies in my tummy and everything felt good. And Estrid was like, yeah, kissing was pleasant, but M&Ms are better. (laughs) He's like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. I love you. M&Ms are better. Yeah. I could do without this. It was so weird. (sighs) Well. Like funny. I mean, they set up the whole date night thing very well, I guess. They did. They did. And like, as soon as she was like, I want to go to the gardens with eggs. I'm like, okay, date night. Yeah, <laughs> strolling down the lonesome zoo streets. Yeah. Stupid kids. Yep. But they tried kissing. So this means now that everybody has kissed someone but Marco in these books. Oh. Yes, Marco's just going to die alone. I had that same thought, too. I was like, everybody's got a girlfriend but Marco. Yeah, that's really depressing, considering he's such a ladies' man. I know. (laughs) His, you know, very progressive thoughts about women. Yeah. (laughs) His real respectful conversations. and Not that Axe can talk. I mean, just about Andalites, though. Yeah. I don't know. I'm so sorry I'm eating dinner right now. I'm so hungry. Oh, that's okay. You have to edit this episode. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't care. Sorry, Adi. <laughs> I I was just uh, when I was editing Vizor, I just got to the part where I was like, <laughs> it wouldn't be an Animorphs Anonymous episode if I didn't edit Casey eating out of the episode <laughs> one time. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Don't be sorry. Oh no. Anyway, I'll just keep going. Go we still it. have we still have when Lena busts in and starts trying to eat the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, 
So Axe and Estrid decide to go flying together for some reason. I don't know. Axe has this weird fleeting moment where he's like, maybe we could just go become Nothlet birds forever and like live in our black and white world of just hunting and chilling. And then he's like, run well, that's never how things work out. Yeah. I just want to run away with the love of my life. Yeah. But that's not how things work out. So he's like, okay, I guess back to reality. And Estrid is like, where are you taking me? And Axe is like, I want to go see my former companions one last time. I miss them. And so he flies over the McDonald's where he sees a grizzly bear destroying the entire McDonald's. <laughs> this poor McDonald's gets so destroyed. <laughs> it's like the cabbages guy from Avatar. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> like every scene. No, my McDonald's. <laughs> I forgot about cabbage guy. <laughs> oh no uh, poor cabbages poor poor cabbages but yeah Rachel's just destroying the shit out of this McDonald's and like chasing people around and like she's just being a horrifying monster bear <laughs> and then like Cassie runs out the back starts morphing an owl and he's like well follow Cassie we're gonna we're gonna have to go like figure out what she's doing anyways so they follow her back to the barn where she finds Marco just lounging on some hay bales reading a magazine. And Cassie's like, Marco, please, you have to help me stop Rachel. She's gone postal. We have to stop her. And he's like, I can't help you. I like Burger King better anyways. And like Cassie's like, okay, well, where's Jake? He'll definitely help me. And Jake is hiding in one of the stalls of the barn because Tom has been picking on him all day and he's really upset about it. Oh my fucking God. It was like, it was like everybody else chose a scene that was maybe plausible. Mm-hmm. And then Jake was like, I'm going to try something completely different. <laughs> oh, Jake. Ugh, that boy. So, he, yeah, he's like, I can't help you, Cassie. Tom's being a meanie face, bloodhead. <laughs> and Axe is just like, let's just leave. This is sad. This is my, embarrassing. My friends are sad. My friends are so embarrassing right now. <laughs> I'm glad I did and, those losers. Yeah, I'm glad I left them. And then he was like, well, they used to be better. <laughs> They're just demoralized by this certain failure. And then Astrid's like, or Astrid, I keep wanting to say Astrid, but it's Estrid with an E. Um, so Astrid says like, you know, even facing failure, Andalites wouldn't be that stupid. And Axe is like, I am slightly put off by hearing the Andalite arrogance that I am guilty of coming from your mouth. She should be better than me. You need to be better. I need to hold you to a higher standard than myself. No, I don't think that's what he was saying at all here. I think he was legitimately (laughs) like, okay, I hear it now. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I'm an asshole. Yeah, I am am an asshole. I do hear it now when you say it that way. (laughs) So Axe and Estrid make it back to the ship. They briefed Arbat on what they had found, leaving out the part about the barn and the failure of his friends. Um, They were dismissed, but then Axe is like, hey, I'll I'll volunteer for the first watch. And they're like, okay, but don't touch anything. And Axe is left alone, and he realizes that Estridge said something earlier, like, that made no sense to any of us. Like, it would not tip us off. It was something like, I don't know, that's weirder than a quark in a neutron collider or something. (laughs) I don't know. I don't fucking know. Some science shit like that. And Axe is like, well, that could be an expression. Or maybe she's a certain type of scientist looking at physiobotany. Quantum botany. 
need fizzy something. Quantum viruses. That's all you need to know. I don't remember. I didn't write uh, it down. I'm trying to find Let's it. Let's move right along. I think we'll just go with all of the guesses I just laid out on the table. <laughs> hey, hey, wait, wait. It's, uh, da, 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 I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. Do, 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 do. <laughs> that ramped up so hard. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. Come on, come on. Plin- come on now. Plinconarhythmic equation. Yeah, that's that's it. Math, biology, germs, STEM. viruses, cool. Get your STEM. kids in STEM, nerd. Anyway, <laughs> you, you fucking nerd. Um, <laughs> whatever. Axe is suspicious, so he's like, "I'm gonna goof around with this computer," despite the fact that I was told not to. Of and uh, he has Estrid's password because she turned all four eyes to the screen earlier that day so axe just looked over her shoulder you guys security starts with you this is basic shit well actually security starts with s (laughs) well actually security starts with s i think that might have been our first official well actually of the podcast (laughs) and that's what you used it on i'm sorry (laughs) Oh, man. Anyways, um, yeah, she did, like, the dumbest, like, broadcasting your password to everybody behind you in line deal. Her so password is like, one, two, three, four. <laughs> Only idiots make their passwords one, two, three, four. So, uh, he has his password. He opens up the computer, and he's like, I'm just gonna look through everybody's profiles and see, like, what the hell <laughs> yeah, is he happening. he logs on the like Facebook. He logs on to Andalite Facebook and he starts checking the job section. (laughs) Or would that be Andalite LinkedIn? No, I want to say it's Facebook. Okay. I mean, probably it would be LinkedIn, but I'm going to say it's Facebook. Anyways. Sorry. So many false starts here. So many false starts. It doesn't matter. Axe is looking at Alien Facebook and he goes to like look at someone's profile when Aloth just drops his tail blade on Axe and like smacks his hand away and was like, no, 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 think about don't what do you've that. Done. We said, don't look at the computer. It was the one thing we said. And here you are looking at the computer. Hey, don't. Hey, no. Aloth is like, what are you, spying on us? And Axe is like, I'm looking for info about the people that I just started working with. I don't think that's wrong. And Aloth is like, actually, that's pretty fair. That's, yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, so, anyways, I know you didn't get in, but let me tell you, we were, uh, Aloth, like me, me and Gonrad, we were both imprisoned. I used to uh, harvest organs from my fallen (laughs) comrades on the battlefield and sell them. No big deal. <laughs> it was like a hobby, but, you know, I was making enough money to turn it in my job. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. He, like, the best part is, like, Aloth is, like, yeah, I was in prison. And Axe is, like, <gasps> like hand to his heart, jumps back. And Aloth is, like, oh, don't worry. I won't, I won't hurt you. I just sold the organs off of the dead Andalites and, like, made some money off of it. No big deal. <laughs> oh, they took my freaking kidney. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i haven't thought of that in so long Jesus. uh 
And they're like, so what's Godrad in jail for? And they're like, cowardice. <laughs> okay. That I guess sense. those are both criminal offenses. Uh, and now we know why he's such a wuss. Yep. Because he's a literal coward and never changes or grows as a person. <laughs> uh, and he's like, yeah, so Arbet got us out of prison, brought us along some of our sweet skills. And Axe is like, okay, who the fuck is really in charge here? Because this is insane. And Aloth is just like, I don't know, it could be anybody. Maybe it's Astrid. <laughs> um, Women in then- charge. <laughs> what a joke. <laughs> Sorry. Are you okay? <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> 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 it's like the Andalite equivalent of go make me a sandwich. I know. It's so bad. Oh. Oh, God. Owie. So, uh, we just jump cut to Gonrad taking the ship down two inches of the community center. Like, he is a very good pilot. They're like, even though he's a coward, he is very good at this. <laughs> he just makes it a nice, easy jump down. Like, just a little, like, doop, hop off a thing. It's totally fine. Um, and it was decided that Axe and Gonrad would go in together on one side, and Aloth and Arbat would take out the other side, blah, blah, blah. They're going to, like, do a pincer move on the main sharing meeting. They hand out some shredders, and Axe is like... It's pretty cool to be on an Andalite mission with my own people as an Andalite. This is pretty legit. Like, you know, a little bit of pride coming back to him. Um, And then everybody starts going like, okay, let's move out, blah, blah, blah. And Axe follows up with, let's rock and roll, and then laughs at the absurdity of the phrase. (laughs) Which was adorable. Um, They quickly dispatch the guards at the entrance. They make their way down the hallway towards the meeting, just like knocking out controllers that come along. They find the thing where Visor 3 is and they all like creep in and like can see him from their posts and X realizes like I have the perfect shot but then he's like really relieved he doesn't actually have to be the one shooting and like they they literally say like blowing his head up so that was crazy and I realize that's where the yerk is but still um in the next moment after X looks around and like sees and like Visor 3 started to demorph now in front of everybody and acts like, he he's like, I'm just so glad I don't have to take that shot. And then he goes, oh no, Arbat isn't going to hit him either, is he? Second later, Arbat fires and misses a very easy shot. He threw away his shot! It up. He did throw away his shot. God, he is no Hamilton, that's for sure. He is not like his country. Yeah, he's not young, scrappy, or hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't remember what the three things were, but I, I thought horny was one of them. <laughs> I got scrappy and horny. <laughs> it's the McElroy version of Hamilton. Oh, God. I'm, so <laughs> I'm horny for justice. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, man. Sorry. Anyways, no, it's it's fine. This is This next part's stupid. at the beginning we're like man this is a really good book and i feel like we've just been saying everything is really stupid well it's like it's not stupid like oh the book is not good or oh this plot is terrible or anything like that it's literally that like the andalites just keep disappointing us like i just i'm repeatedly expressing how disappointed i am in these people that are supposed to be heroes 
criminal heroes. Criminal heroes. Well, we didn't even know they were criminal heroes. And I, like, I I love Firefly. I have nothing wrong with criminal heroes. True. You can yeah. do a bunch of crimes and still become the hero, but that's not what we're dealing with in this scenario. Right. Like, it's just disappointing because how long have we spent going like, oh, the Andalites are the good guys. They're the good guys. And now we're like, these guys are shitty people. Yep. This guy thought it was no big deal to harvest the organs of his fallen comrades on the battlefield and sell them for a profit. Who does that? They're not using them. Well, yeah, okay, fine, they're <laughs> not, but still. God. They, uh, Andalites need the, the thing on their driver's licenses that says they'll be an organ donor. <laughs> and then yes, this would have they been have to called. agree. Yeah. Except he couldn't, he shouldn't make a profit off it. No, that's fine. I guess the moral of the story is don't smuggle or sell your organs. Yeah, it's pretty illegal. You'll go to jail yeah. and be disgraced. We'll come back to this organs conversation later. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, since the Visitor 3 was almost shot in the face, but it was missed, that now everything's thrown into chaos, of course, because all of the controllers are there and there's a bunch of Horkbizer. And everybody's, like, starting to fight, and, like, there's firing on Visitor 3, but Visitor 3 is, like, rolling around on the ground away from the fire. <laughs> and, like, Axe even talks himself into, like, getting a shot off at him, and then it misses by millimeters, and Axe is like, no, I missed. And he's like, or did I do that intentionally? And we don't know. Uh, Aloth comes running along. He's like, Axe, jump off the balcony with me as a wave of hork comes behind them. They leap off the balcony. They manage to make it to the ground uninjured where they, like, scrabble back up onto their hooves and then go running down a hallway. Once they're in the hallway, they see Arbat firing methodically at the approaching hork to hold them back. And they're like, hey, we have you covered. Let's get out of here. They rush in. They all start firing. They end up in close quarter combat with a bunch of hork because they are stuck in a hallway, kind of bottleneck scenario. And Aloth takes two huge hits. The first one is to his knees, and his knees just buckle under him. He falls to the ground. And then the hork slices the entirety of one side of his body, like from his ear all the way to his rump, like slices him open. And Axe is like, he's gravely injured, but he can recover from this. And a second later, Arbat gets up from where he was just knocked down, shoots Aloth straight through the head, and says, let's get out of here. Ah. Yeah, they leave his dead body in the hallway and run for the ship. Shit. Yeah. Um, so as they approach the ship, Estrid's like, come on, get on, get on, get on. They jump up onto the ramp, and Gonrad starts taking them up. And they're like, oh, Gonrad, you're here. Interesting. And Gonrad's like, I just thought it would be uh, good to make a retreat path for you guys. So I came here. And they're like, okay, the record will show that you needed to make a retreat path for us. And then uh, Arbat's like, the record will also show that Aloth was gravely injured and needed to be destroyed in battle. And then he's like, so Axe, tell me about the Yerk pool, because clearly this mission failed. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. The Andalites all agree they must rest before going to the Yerk pool because they are tired. They need to restore their HP. They do. They need to take some potions so they can fight again. Um, Arbet is officially going to attack the Yurk pool against Gonrod's orders. Gonrod's very upset. He's sad. He doesn't want to do it. 
but we find out he can be dismissed at any time by Arbat, which just kind of undoes the chain of command, doesn't it? Uh-huh. So I don't know why, but whatever. Um, Conrad goes, lands him by the gardens again. They go their separate ways. They're all going to go take a nap. Uh, but Axe leaves the ship, and he's airborne within minutes, on his way to find a master computer hacker. He returns within the hour and is like, I'm here to relieve you of your watch, Gonrod. And Gonrod makes whatever the Andalite proper response is, which is something like, the relief is precious, or I don't know, whatever they say. <laughs> um, and then, when the coast is clear, Mr. King decloaks. He was hologramming it up. And he starts hacking the computer to look up who exactly these people are. Elite One by one. He is, he is elite hacksaw. So one by one, he starts pulling up their Facebook Andalite profiles. And... <laughs> Every single one of them was marked killed in action on a ship named Relic River. And then they get to Estrid last, and they're like, she too is dead. And then they're like, nope, she doesn't even fucking exist. And that's wow. when they realized they were sent on a suicide mission. Yeah. Okay, here's where shit gets fucking intense, like camping. Yay! Good joke. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I worked on it all night. <laughs> So, uh, Axe is like, thanks, Mr. King, and then is like, I'm out. I have to go find answers. So he goes down to where the sleeping quarters are, and he's like poking around. There's a bunch of closed doors. There's an open door. Estrid's is closed. He knocks on it, and then she doesn't answer, so he puts his ear up against the door, and he can hear from very far off in the ship just kind of grinding metal and then hoof beats. So he's like, okay, somewhere around here is someone. So he's like, I know. Let's go check out the West Wing, even though it's forbidden. <laughs> so he goes up there, and it looks like it's closed. But he's like, this is probably a force field. So he steps through it. It's definitely a force field. And the first thing that hits his, his nose is the smell of death and decay. And mm -hmm. he's like, yep, sounds about right. <laughs> like, I don't know what that reaction was. It was never explained. But he legit is like, yeah, this is, this is about right. Um, then he goes in through the smell of decontaminant, and then he makes his way quietly into Estrid's lab, where he sees her handling a vial very carefully. She turns and sees him, and she startles and drops the vial. Her scream spurs Axe into action, and he lunges for the vial and catches it. She's like, okay, give that back carefully. And Axe, like, threatens to open it. He's like, nope, I need answers. And she's like, I can't tell you anything, no. And then he goes to, like, open it a little more. And she's like, no! And then he's, like, opening it a little more. And she's like, okay, okay, I'll tell you whatever. I'll tell you whatever you want to know. Um, and she's like, I'm not an RS. I never trained at the academy. I'm only an honorary one. My, but, like, you know, I, I'm here on this mission because I was added by uh, Arbat. Because mm -hmm. reasons that I can't tell you. And then his first thing is, like, but why are you so good at tail fighting if you never went to the academy? And so she tells Axe who her brother is. She's like, my brother taught me. And Axe is like, that doesn't help. And she's like, oh, my brother was blah, 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 blah. And uh, he's like one of the top ranking tail fighters on the entire planet. So he's like, well, Damn. it doesn't make me feel great, but I get it now. So her um, mom's a morph dancer. Her brother's like an Olympic tail fighter. Yeah, fuck? she comes from a pretty legit family. I guess. And she's a prodigy. Yeah. A literal prodigy. Literally. She's not bragging. She's literally a prodigy. <laughs> um, she she says that. She actually says that. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what's in the vial? And she's like, I'm a prodigy. I couldn't explain it to you, you dumb idiot. And he's like, 
you're right. You probably couldn't, but try. <laughs> um, and so she just goes on this, like, really sad tale about how she was a prodigy, so she was sent to the school early, but all of the boys laughed at her and forced her into a shitty subject uh, until Arbat discovered her, and Arbat allowed her to advance and go into a field she was really interested in and got her a lab and let her get onto this mission. And, like, she's basically just, like, the smartest person ever, and she would have been totally squashed and squandered if Arbat hadn't found her and, like, advocated for her, which is really sad and, once again, made me want to root for her. Yeah. Um, until the next sentence, which is, she's built a germ in this vial that will kill Yerks, but the problem is it will potentially mutate and kill the human hosts as well. Hooray! And now I'm not cheering for her. No. So X realizes he's been a pawn in this whole situation. The Yerk pool was too well hidden, so they needed somebody who knew where it was. A man on the inside. Another Hamilton reference. Hercules (laughs) Mulligan! Um... (laughs) But this time, the man on the inside was Aximilia Skrothusu. It's harder <laughs> harder to fit. Love it. <laughs> um, and so he's like, this entire mission had to be done in secret because of the council. They needed me to show them where the Yerk pool was. But then they needed plausible deniability that these people were even here. So they're about to do the exact same scenario they did on the Horkbajor homeworld. Because it didn't go well the first time, the Andalite council has sent out these guys on this secret mission to try and wipe out the species realizing that they might wipe out another sentient species and that aloth was just an expendable thug gonrad is a coward and again expendable and uh arbat knew exactly what was going on and estrid was going to be killed probably Hooray! Um, yay so that's again why they couldn't kill visor three is because if they killed Visor 3, then Gonrad would have had to go back to the council and said the mission was a success. And if he records that the mission was a success, that actually has to go on the logs, which means the council would have to acknowledge that they were there and that they were on a mission. And it was this mission. And then, of course, if another virus gets released that destroys the sentient species, that will once again reflect badly on the council. And they can maybe hide the Horkbajor homeworld, but they can't hide two of nope. these issues. Shit. So that's the whole thing. What the yeah. hell, Andalites? Yeah. Uh, and then Estrid goes on this fucking crazy rant where she's like, we're definitely going to unleash this weapon. Like, the whole reason I'm here is because I built this and I'm testing this and, like, I found this thing that we can use. And Axe is like, no, 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 we can't unleash this. Like, this is not right. We know that this didn't go well the first time. And Estrid's like, oh, no, we for sure are doing this. Like, I'm working to fix the imbalance, but even if I don't, I'm still okay with releasing this, and there will be casualties, and that's just war. Wow. And Axe is like, no, that's unacceptable. And if you think that that's acceptable, how are you any better than the Yerks? And Estrid's going on this whole tangent of, like, think of it. Anybody who does evil in the galaxy, we could wipe out without ever having to fight and blah, 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 blah. Okay. Yeah. Calm down. Axe is like, you are fucked up. You cannot do this. And then from behind him, Arbat responds, she can and she will. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Hooray. We find out that Arbat has relieved Gonrod of his command and confined him to quarters. Axe cuts in to be like, hey, did you tell Esther that you wiped her entire identity from the system? And Arbat's kind of like, uh, what? You, no, uh, that's for her safety. 
probably. And, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, Axe is like, no, dude, he's gonna kill you. <laughs> um, and Arbat's like, finally like, all right, well, since you know everything already, he puts them in a cage. <laughs> a force field cage. And then starts monologuing. So now if we didn't know who the villain was before, now we do. God. Arbat is our villain. <laughs> because he monologues. Right. Um, he's like, I needed to go to the academy and be a professor to find somebody like Estrid to create this weapon. Hard choices must be made by the few, the few that are in war, and I am in the war. And Axe is like, no, this is not the way to do this. And Arbat's like, it is. I'm tired of the good people having to fight and see terrible things. The good Andalites. How dare you make the good Andalites do things when we can wipe everybody out? Wow. Um... And he basically is just like, it doesn't matter what the means are. They're the means to the end. And that's all I care about is the end of the war. And, uh, yeah, that's great. So he grabs the vial off the counter, takes off. Estrid tries to gallop through the cage bars that he set up, force field cage bars. But she hits it, electric sparks, green lights. She goes shooting backwards. Idiot. Falling down. Thought you are a prodigy, yeah. idiot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yes, I appreciate that. Ugh. I too thought she was a prodigy, but she is just a fool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Estrid's like, I'm so sorry. Like, now we're trapped and I'm sorry about I thought your friends were inferior and I'm sorry that I got you into this whole mess and I'm sorry that, like, we're Shut stuck up. in here alone and blah. Yeah. And then Axe is like, oh, no, it's okay. They're here. All my friends are here. And that's when Marco steps out and he's like, hey, X-Man, you look like you're stuck. Yay. <laughs> yeah. And like all around them, the Animorphs are demorphing from whatever they were in. Yay. So. Um, and Estrid's pissed. Estrid's like, once this happens, she's like, how could you lie to me and betray your own people? And Axe goes, no, 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 no. These are my people. Anyone who believes in freedom and doing what's right, whether they're human, Horkbizer, Andalite, or whatever... Those are my people. Oh, baby. Yeah. I was like, yeah, Axe. Yeah. yeah. You tell her, Axe. You tell her. So it was amazing. I loved him. They somehow get out of the cage. Tobias is sent off to be air support. And uh, Tobias is supposed to be tracking where Arbat is going. But, you know, he can morph, so it's hard. And he loses his trail. But they make an educated guess, head to the community center, and they find a trail of destruction in the form of knocked out guards that are, like, stuffed into garbage cans or pulled into corners. <laughs> they just, like, follow the trail of unconscious people. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, then they make an educated guess because they're like, where did he go from here? And Axe is like, oh, probably to this room right here for new recruits that leads down to the Yerk Pool, according to the censors. So they go up to that door, they find the lock is broken, they're like, great, we did it. So two Andalites in a zoo full of battle morphs go running down these stairs, and as soon as they start hearing, like, the Andalites start hearing the screams, like, Cassie can hear it from the top of the stairs, but once Axe and Astrid can hear the human screaming and everything, Jake is like, okay, you should probably go to human, like, if we just go in, like, with Andalites out front, it's gonna look a little suspicious. They'll probably guess. So they all go to human, get down there, they walk out into the yerk pool, and Estrid is horrified. Like, she looks around and sees all the people screaming and crying and begging to be let free, and she's like, this is awful. And Axe is like, you have to act like this is fine. You are playing a role right now. And so they start looking around, they have to find Arbat, and they're like, well, he could be anyone, he could be anywhere. And Axe is like, 
I know. Look for the guy who keeps looking around because Andalites aren't used to having only two eyes. And sure enough, after a little bit, they see a middle-aged white man that, like, keeps spinning around to, like, look at people who are passing him. <laughs> so they're like, that's our dude! They start running after him. They rush towards him. They're, like, knocking people aside. And, like, at one point, Axe knocks into somebody who's like, huh in a rush to feed, I guess. Um, and he doesn't say anything. He just keeps going. And they aren't getting there fast enough. So they can see in front of them where Arbat is now being, like, leaned down towards the pool. And he's kneeling. And they see him start to take something out of his pocket. And they yell, Arbat, no! And he, like, jerks up, like, out of surprise. And he ends up knocking the hork guard kind of askew. He reaches out like he's going to help the hork like, grab him to steady him. But instead he just grabs his Draken beam and pushes the hork off the pier and then aims a gun at Axe and Estrid. Hooray! Yeah. Asshole. <laughs> Jerk. You dickwad. <laughs> <laughs> so Axe pulls Estrid down and they hide behind a taxon and the shot hits the taxon that they just dove Ew. behind, sending guts and bile everywhere. Hooray! Huzzah, it's like a confetti cannon made of guts. <laughs> yeah, so good. So Axe drags Estrid behind some crates, and they start crawling forward, keeping low. And Axe goes, you have to demorph to Andalite, and we have to go in. And she's like, no, I'm too scared. And Axe is like, I understand the feeling, but we have to go help. And Estrid's like, you know what? I don't care who dies. I don't care if all the humans die as long as I don't get infested. Ugh. And Axe turns to her and in the best fucking line of all time, he goes, Astrid, you are beautiful. You are brilliant. But I don't like you very much. Yeah. And then he goes charging to battle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. I loved this so much. Oh I was like, you go, Axe. <laughs> oh, man. Thank God. I love him. Yeah, thank God. I love him so much. I love him, too. He just was like, fuck your bullshit. Get out of here. I'm over you. I'm over you. We are never, ever, ever getting back together. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even know what she says in that song, but something like you with your, I don't know. Face. Stupid face and your antelope stuff in your vial of doom <laughs> i'm pretty sure those are the lyrics taylor swift said yeah exactly yeah okay so then comes the next uh saddest depressing amazing part so axe jumps out starts charging over to help his friends who are locked in this battle and the controllers ever start yelling andalite and firing on him And he realizes that the reason that his friends aren't completely slaughtered already fighting in this yerk pool is because all of the humans that were freed, like the freed hosts, have linked arms and like created a human chain as far as they can to protect the animals from being fired upon. I know. Oh, humans can kind of rule sometimes. They kind of can. And it was such like a great stark contrast between like Estrid and then these humans that are like we will die in this human chain to protect these people who are giving us a chance of freedom Jesus, it was amazing uh, so yeah they're they're protecting the Animorphs Axe leaps into the fray inside of this chain of humans and he surprises the hork and the Taxon but it's not enough they are being totally overrun Cassie is unconscious Jake is again missing a front paw Marco was holding Arbat 
Uh, and then Marco gets shot in the stomach and, like, drops Arbat, who takes off running. And Axe is torn because he wants to stay in the battle. He also wants to stop him. And Jake is like, go, go, I order you to go. So Axe goes running after Arbat as fast as he can. But he's too far behind him. Arbat has made it to the pier. Axe is still 50 feet away when Arbat turns. And he's like, you really think you can make it here before I dump this whole vial in the yerk pool? And Axe is like, this is wrong. Don't do that. And Arbat goes, this is war, and opens his hand. But right as that happens, there is a hit to his hand to the vial where it sizzles and disappears. His hand is turned into a mangled stump that is spewing blood everywhere. Estrid has fired a shredder, I think, at him. I don't think it was a dragon beam. Estrid fired a shredder at him, hit his hand, and Axe goes, great shot, and watches as Arbat's stump just bleeds into the yerk pool. Gross. Um, it's pretty great, though. And then Axe and Estrid have this uh, amazing, once again, very Lord of the Rings-esque moment where, like, I never thought I'd die by the side of, like, a dwarf or by the side of an elf. And then what about sides of a friend kind of moment? But they turn and, like, face this entire massive Horkbajer that are running towards them. Like, just, like, there's no way they can win. There's so many. They're all coming over. Arbat doesn't even make a move to join them or to help. They're getting ready to go into battle, and the last thing Estrid says before this is, do not let them take me alive. Even if you don't approve of me, don't let them take me alive. Val, don't let them take me! Yeah. Uh. Exactly. This is a very Firefly-esque. Yeah. Um, So they're bracing for battle when they realize that behind them there's a 50-foot circle of red roiling water in this yerk pool. And that's when they realize the top of the cavern is completely open, and the Relic River, this old, old transport ship, has just been burning through the top of the Yerk Pool. Then a red line extends in front of Axe and Estrid, and just like in a wave, vaporizes all of the Horkbajer that were rushing towards them. Jeez. Yeah. B- brutal. Just a brutal battle. Gonrad lowers the ship and puts down the ramp. Axe pushes Estrid towards it and is like, go, 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 and then hops up himself behind her. Arbat is standing on the pier still with his bloody stump, and he's like, take me with you, get me, don't let me, like, don't let me stay here, take me with you. And Axe tells Gonrod, go, and watches as they pull away as Arbat is raging below them, not morphing, which is the only thing that would have saved him in this instance, Mm -hmm. because all around him the taxon are circling, unable to resist the smell of fresh blood. Ew. I know. It's so, like... That's just an epic scene of him, like, screaming below them with the one bloody stump as they just, like, you know, are on the ramp of the ship as it slowly rises, watching him just about to... That's just such an epic movie shot right there. Yeah. It's so cool. I mean, brutal and bloody and awful, but so cool. (laughs) Okay. So, now we cut to the next day. The Relic River waited a day before leaving... And they were trying to fool the Yerks, like, oh, if we wait a day, they maybe will be looking for us somewhere else and thinking that we already got away so we can slip through. And Axe got Estrid a going-away cinnamon bun. He's like, here you go. She's like, is this as good as jelly beans? And Axe is like, it's better than jelly beans. And she goes, oh, so this is why you like the humans so much, right? The cinnamon buns. And Axe starts thinking back to all the humans that were in the cages and making the chain of humans so that his friends wouldn't be shot. And the countless times that... 
everybody on the team has saved his life and come back for him and, and just treated him like a teammate. And he just says to her, yeah, it's the cinnamon buns. That's why I like them. (sighs) Then Estrid tries a joke because she hasn't gotten the hint. And, uh, she's like, well, you still don't like me, I guess, huh? And he's like, yes, I still don't like you. And then turns away and never looks back at them. He has no idea if they even got into space or not. Does not give a shit. Wow. So he starts approaching his team. He's, like, getting back to where everybody else is waiting for him. And Cassie's like, hey, are you okay? And Marco's like, of course he's okay. You heard him. He doesn't even like her. And Cassie just hugged Axe because she knew that, you know, he was going through a lot more than that. He said she wasn't easy to deceive. Um, they all decide to go and get burgers and Tobias says, that's fine. We just can't go to the McDonald's. And everybody's like, why? And that's when we find out that Tobias was the one that got Gonrad to fly over there and fire through the thinnest point of the ceiling of the York pool, which was the McDonald's. And so they're like, all right, I guess we're all going to go to Burger King. And then this ends on them walking through the dark to go to Burger King while Cassie continues to hold Axe's hand while he cries. Oh, no. That's this book. Oh, no. I know. It was just so good. Like, that ending sequence of, like, everything that was happening in that final battle in the Yerk pool, like, all of the uh, hosts that were coming together to, like, prevent them being shot and then Axe, like, effectively killing (laughs) our bat and like it's all just so good it's just like it was just like a really epic book yeah and just like him realizing like what the andalites were planning to do and like this was these are his people and this is where he comes from and they kind of fucking suck and ugh, that's a really hard pill to swallow and yeah oh yeah that was rough. Do you want to start going to character ratings to help us sort out our conflicted feelings? Sure. Um. All right. Let's talk about Jake in this book. Oh, he's very good. Very, very good. Top of his game. He was top of his game. He was just, again, those cool collected leader moments that I just live for from Jake. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Ugh. Oh. I guess a five. Yeah, I'm giving him a five. I loved him. Mm-hmm. That was easy. All right, what do we feel about <laughs> Rachel? <laughs> oh, my God. Just amazing. <laughs> so bad. She, like, she took her acting in this book, and she was like, what is the one thing that I do so well? She's like, rage. And she was just like, like, okay, I'm picturing, like, Boudicca in my mind when, like, Queen of the Iceni destroying, so like, just amazing Queen of Doom when she is like, I'm about to go AWOL, go fucking destroy as many Yerks as I can before they kill me. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, she's so cool. <laughs> and I know that that wasn't, like, really what she was going for, but, like, it was just such an amazing moment. She was so good. She tackled Marco to the ground, which cracked me up. (laughs) Oh, my God. Destroyed a McDonald's. She did destroy McDonald's, which is... Oh, man. That was so badass. God. Can you imagine her inner dialogue, too, as she was destroying it? She's probably like, 
that's for having a 12,000 calorie burger on the menu. <laughs> like, <laughs> I could just picture it. Fuck you, Ronald. Fuck you, Ronald. Those fries smell so good and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I love her. Jesus Christ. Amazing. Yep. Another five. What do you, what, another five? I'm giving her five, obviously. <laughs> uh, what about Tobias? Oh, Tobias was good, too. I like this friendship with Axe and, and going to get Gondor. Ugh. Yeah. He found $20. He'd, That's always good. He's going to buy Axe a Simenum. Yeah. Another five. <sighs> yeah. I think five. I'm going to give all my kids fives, actually, <laughs> at this point, because they were all just so good. <laughs> They were, uh, what about Cassie? Oh, Cassie was so sweet to Axe at the end. She was. Oh, she I, was. I, so uh, actually, um, I didn't necessarily, so it's weird. I called that the grackle was spying on them, but in oh, that yeah. first scene, I didn't immediately call that they were like putting on this show. Mm-hmm. And so I was like. Oh my god, Cassie's so out of character again. And I like I wrote this like big long paragraph about how like like nobody can seem to nail Cassie's personality and she's always like so riddled with hypocrisies and like maybe the fact that nobody can write her successfully means that like every version of her becomes more obfuscated. And then like when we were reading through this I was like, "Oh yeah, they were lying." Okay. <laughs> 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 it was like the most Delete, delete, delete. 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 Oh my god. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And I was like going on this thing. It's like, I refuse to be mad at Cassie about this because it's the writer's fault, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, it doesn't matter. Yeah. No, I I thought they nailed Cassie in this. And like, especially when um, they, like, because I knew they were acting reading through it but that first run of when they're all quitting the animorphs yeah. was like believable it was so believable right up until jake just totally like i'm, I'm mad my brother was bullying me like in the song and then you're yeah. like yeah you're fucking putting on a show yeah okay? like, like yeah it. that second scene i was like okay they're acting like this is all a, yeah. a ruse but like the first scene i was like oh no yeah they wrote it really believable yeah She's so sweet. And I wonder if, like, the whole, like, hand-holding thing at the end of the book, too, is because she's starting to recognize that, like, Axe, he kind of, like, swings back and forth between feeling isolated and not. Because, like, these are his people, and, like, this is his team, and he loves them all, and, like, they all work together and fight together. But they aren't Andalites at the end of the day. Yeah. And, like, Cassie's made some comments before, like, oh, it must be really hard for you to not have anybody on your level to talk to and stuff, and... I, I would like to think, in my fan theory that I'm creating right here, that she felt like he, especially after having this, like, pseudo-relationship with uh, Estrid, mm-hmm. he had that, like, just need for contact. And so yeah. she was just doing, like, this simple human thing of, like, holding his hand while he yeah. got through something. <sighs> so, yeah. I will give another five. Me too. Yeah. Five for Cassie, for sure. What about Marco? Oh <laughs> He killed me. He killed me so many times in this book. He, like, he had a really good bean joke at the end. Oh my god! When they were, does this human form have any weapons? Not unless you eat a lot of beans. <laughs> that was like the funniest joke. <laughs> that one made me laugh a lot. 
Oh, that was hilarious. I, like, he played his part in the, like, I'm quitting the Animorphs. He played the part of having to be the catalyst that started yeah. everybody quitting yeah. so expertly. Like, he was just yeah amazing in that moment. Yeah. I, like, ugh. Oh. Yeah. It was, like, peak Marco. Like, he saw the A to B, he saw the, the repercussions, and he just, like went to town it was amazing mm-hmm. and, he and smacked then Rachel's you face. know he smacked and like i so it said like you know slapped her in the face i didn't imagine like full pull back his arm slapping i was imagining when you like walk up to somebody and take like both your hands at the same time and like do three like pats on their face like listen to me like yeah. on their face or like a very yeah, yeah. just a very light slap hi lena she's here see i knew it we did it <laughs> we did it the full podcast <laughs> Anyway, Marco gets five. Yeah, Marco's five for me. So, exy boy. Part of me wants to, like, dock him a half point for being sexist, but, like, he was just so good in this book. (laughs) (laughs) He gets a strong reprimand from me for being sexist, but I'll still give him a five. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Like, a warning comment on his A, like, next time I will not accept this, but this time you just get a warning. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Okay. Here's all the things I loved in no particular order about Axe in this book. (laughs) It was one that his loyalty never wavered, Mm -hmm. even though the book was trying to, like, trick us. Yeah. Like, he he never wavered. And even when the rest of the Animorphs all left Jake, and again, I know this was like an act and a trick, the fact that he got to stand there in that ruse and say, I'm not leaving you until you dismiss me. Was the scene I have been longing for since Axe's Lyran adventure. Yeah, absolutely. Like, he's come so far since that book. He has. And it was amazing. And then him, like, obviously he's intelligent. Obviously he, you know, is growing. But when he's met Andalites before, he kind of accepts it without question. And I think this was the first time we've seen him with Andalites where he's been like, had that healthy dose dose of suspicion mm-hmm. where he's like, I have to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. And even when he fell into that familiar role of like cadet and warrior with um Alof, yeah. it wasn't he still never stopped questioning. Yeah. Like he still had that like little bit of doubt. Um the whole thing, his whole arc with Estrid where he went from like, I have a crush on her, and like that has got to be it's not just like I have a crush, which is already, like, really intense feelings. It's like, I have a crush, and by the way, I haven't seen one of my own species in however long he's been on Earth. Like, it's intense. And to be able to go through that whole arc and, like, come out the other side being, like, just because you're my only option doesn't mean that I have to like you. Yeah. Is just such a crazy, empowering moment. It's amazing. Yeah. So that was great. Um, When he made the declaration that especially because of the Aldrea book that we had somewhat recently he made the declaration I don't care what you are human Horkbajer specifically mentioning Horkbajer mm-hmm. if you believe in these things then we are on the same side yeah and I loved that statement yeah and I just I loved all those statements like you know the humans will rescue me like they the way that they come together like this and admiring those guys it was just all such an amazing just arc for Axe mm-hmm. in this book. Mm-hmm. So those are all the things I love about Axe in this book in no particular order. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yep. Everybody gets five because they were all really good. And I think this is probably one of the first books that everyone's gotten a five from me. I think this is the first book that I've ever that I've given everyone a five. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we really did sound like disappointed in the book in the first half of this podcast, but we really were not no. at all. Well, like, it was just, it was so cleverly done. Like the fact that from, you know, the first like quarter of the book on, it was all this like clever ruse made by the Animorphs, but it's not, mm-hmm. it's not, it's never made obvious. Axe is never like, oh, we were playing a joke on the Andalites because we are smart, blah, blah, blah. Like it's never explained to the reader. They gradually yeah. figure it out, and then by the end, it pays off. And I think that's just like so skillfully done. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And the other thing I love about this whole arc that just happened uh-huh. is like now everybody in the Yerk areas that have been suspecting that like, hey, there's only one or two Andalites and a bunch of kids. Now it's like. Oh, but by the way, you just saw five Andalites in one place at the same time. Yeah. What the fuck now? Yeah. And I love the chaos that that's going to to bring about here in my mind. Oh, not in the canon necessarily. <laughs> yeah, not necessarily in the books, but in my mind, I'm now imagining all the like Yerks that have been keeping quiet and just like second guessing like Visor 3, like, yeah. oh, this guy's a total moron, but he'll kill us if we go against him. I just want to imagine that all of those Yerks now are kind of like, oh no, my theory was flawed. Yeah. Yeah. Not not in any, like, book in particular or storyline or anything like that. Just in my mind, that's what I imagine. What I wonder is if, um, you know, at the end of this book, the status is still the same. Like, the Andalites aren't coming, necessarily. And I just want to know how that's going to pan out in the future. Well, yeah, because the council didn't even tell them they were here. And we don't even know if, if anybody got out alive. Because we don't know if uh, if Ganador or whatever. Yeah. Gan- yeah, we don't know if him and, and uh, what's-her-face, Estrid, got out alive from Earth. Yeah. So. And the fact that the council was willing to just send somebody in to kill everybody. It's like... These- just Visor 3. <laughs> Yeah, complete failure of a mission. And we know that the council probably won't admit to a failure of a mission. Yep. So. All right. Well, any closing arguments on this book? <laughs> I don't think so. All right. Let's <sighs> end it. Let's end it. Uh, if you want to send me a message about how much your favorite jelly bean flavor is you love it you can send that to me at anonymous at gmail.com or if you want to mention your favorite jelly bean flavor on facebook you can do that on the animorphs anonymous group or you can go to our super secret super awesome group which is facebook.com slash group slash animorphs anonymous we are called the andalite bandalites and that group has been bumping yeah it's really lit over there it Dabs. is very lit 100 emoji 100 emoji (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that's all the slang i know so don't ask me to tweet anymore which is at animorphs anon on twitter and uh you can check out all my insane shitty images on instagram at animorphs anonymous they're so good though (laughs) they're ridiculous
Please find our podcast on other podcast sites. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Podcast, Republic, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. What am I forgetting? That's that's it. Yeah. Huzzah. <laughs> Huzzah. Tell me about your comic. I have a comic that I make and draw and write and things. It is called Beside You. It's cute. Uh, go read it at B-S-I-D-E-Y-O-U comic.com. Go now. Yes. Fuck. Do it now. now. I might be right drawing now. it again soon. Hopefully. We'll see. Yay! Well, that's all I have. That's all there was for Aximile. Asgaroth, <laughs> he is still. Sweet baby boy. He's a man on the inside. <laughs> okay, no more of this. Goodbye. Okay, I'm turning away to walk away from this podcast and never again look back. And I am crying. Goodbye. Bye.